You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On The Bench. We are live for our YouTube viewers with no notification or heads up. So if you're subscribed to our YouTube page, congrats, you're watching us now. If not, you may be watching us later. I don't know if that's the end of the world. I'm with Zachary Blostein, Chris Nee, I'm Brendan Sinone. Combined, we are On The Bench. Gentlemen, a happy Monday morning, a happy almost Halloween. We are in November. We made it. FSU is 8 No. We're going to talk about FSU's convincing win at Wake Forest, a little bit of recruiting stuff. Before we get into it, a shout-out to our sponsor, Chattanooga Whiskey. Fall is in the air, getting a little cooler out. Perfect time to enjoy a nice warming bourbon or rye. Chattanooga Whiskey does both at an elite level. Best craft distillery in the game. If you can find some of their single-barrel stuff, like I like to enjoy, their weeded bourbon is uh, – what, what flavors did you describe it as, Chris? The weeded bourbon? Yeah. Cinnamon? Yeah, there was a little bit of that. It had that little bit of the aftertaste burn, but it wasn't like brutal. It was good. We call that a Kentucky hug. That's what you want. Um, yeah, uh, cinnamon's probably a good one to go with. Let you know you're alive. Uh, so Chattanooga Whiskey sponsoring this segment of On the Bench. Let's get into it, guys. FSU beats Wake Forest 41-16. to Convincing fashion. Could have been an even larger score, but uh, I don't want to be the podcast that always complains about officiating. Um Instead, Chris, let's look at it this way. I think FSU is playing to the level of physical dominance at times this conference schedule to the point where it feels like the good old days, where the officials don't know how to call the games. The FSU is just bullying people to the point of trying to protect the other team. Uh, yeah, I mean, Byron Turner yeah. makes a really good physical tackle and gets flagged for it. So, yeah, sure, that works. That's a good. DJ Lundy there. makes a really good physical tackle, gets flagged yeah, for it. Yeah, finishes a play. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was a frustrating part of the game. I think Mike Marvell was frustrated by it, but that's kind of been standard this year. And despite that, FSU just dominates across the board. It was uh, that, that second quarter was a thing of beauty. Uh, let's talk about that, Chris. Let's talk about the second quarter and specifically what went right for FSU. Pretty much everything, but let's start there because that's kind of where this game unravels for Wake, where FSU kind of leans on a lesser team and, and just kind of reminds you, like, yeah, this is this is an elite program when things are clicking on all cylinders. Well, the defense all in all turned in a very good first half, allowed one drive of substance. But outside of that, they really shut down Wake. 75 yards, I think, was the total for Wake at the half, one completed pass. Offensively, JT settled in, went 7-for-7 seven seven in that stretch. They hit big plays, explosive plays. That's what the offense is designed to be. The execution was really good. You look at the Benson play, for example, very good execution on that. You look at the blocking of the offensive line on multiple plays. Guys are getting out of their stances, getting downfield at least chipping people, creating lanes for people to work through, whether it's on a pass or a run. Uh, but it all begins and ends with Jordan Travis. And Jordan Travis looked like a high-level elite player 
for that stretch of the game. And he had a very, very good day overall. But in that stretch, he was out of his mind good. He, We know how good Jordan Travis can be. We know what Jordan can do with his arm, with his legs. He showed that a little bit in both facets in the game. In that stretch, he made big-time throws. And he also took the throws that were there and turned into big-time plays. Byers Sinone, Chris, sponsored by? The Turner Group. This was Jordan's best game passing the ball of the season. I thought it was Jordan's best game overall, personally. Um, oh. I, I thought he was real efficient. I thought he made really good decisions. That Morlock throw in that game is a thing of beauty. That's a big-time throw. Um, there's a couple throws that you know should have been caught. Darian Williamson probably should have had a touchdown on one of those throws to the end zone, for example. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a whole lot of throws by Jordan. I think there was one he kind of forced to the middle that was a little bit 50-50, could have been picked. There was a Tron one that came off the board because of penalty. But that's the ball you throw up to Kentron because that's how he's built and he went and he got it. Uh, so there's very few throws I think you can be uh, you know, negative about the decisions or the throw themselves that Jordan Travis made in this game. Also picked to use his legs a few times, yeah. was effective in doing that, had to touch on run, for example, early in the game. Jordan was 22 of 35, 359 passing yards, three touchdowns, good for a nice old pass rating of 177.3. Like you mentioned, use his legs as well. There's probably a couple times where he could have done it even more and scrambled, but looked upfield for the big play. I think this kind of showed. Uh, Kev described it very well in our in our post game instant reaction. Uh, if you guys can catch that, but like FSU, I think the way this offense is is formed, and as we've now seen it through eight games with that data set, it's an elite offense, or at least pretty close to it. It's top twenty five in pretty much every meaningful category nationally, top ten in a bunch of them. Uh, top five in scoring offense. We get so bogged down, I think, on a drive-to-drive basis with this offense. Uh, but I don't think that's how to, to view it. Kev said that very well, and I kind of was thinking that throughout the game. It's like this isn't a go and get five yards at a clip and just kind of grind out a game type of offense. This is an offense predicated on big plays. Uh, so that's kind of how I view this offense. Like, are you hitting on your big plays? They were doing so in convincing fashion. Zach, what was your favorite of the big plays on offense? What stood out? Dude, my favorite was the Tron catch that they, <laughs> that didn't, they count. didn't yeah, like count. I mean, that was an awesome play. But um, I think the Trey Benson screen, I mean, you just see his field or his speed in the open field. It's it's beyond impressive. I mean, it's not so it's not a new thing. Um, but every time you see it, it's like, how is he moving that fast and running away from the defense and separating from second level defenders and third level defenders um with ease? And yeah, I mean, Trey Benson in the open field. If you can get him in those positions, it's just insanely dangerous. He bounces off tacklers. Um, I was probably, I mean, that was a huge play. And then his his run on that draw play on on third and eighteen, um, or yeah, near the goal line was was another massively important play in the second half. Can, how you know, not how important was it to get Trey going? Like that was the thing we debated last week, and I think fans were talking about like to, to get him the ball in different ways. Zach, like it was a heck of a response by Trey. I mean, he's got that's worked a lot on catching the ball, and he was four for four on targets and catching it in that game for hundred yards. Um, also, didn't seem like he really hesitated on any runs, which was an issue against Duke. I, I think Mike Norvell said it well after the game, and you can categorize it better for me than than I can, Brendan, since you were there. Um, Trey cares immensely. Like he, he's a dude that takes it very much personally. Cares about what he contributes to the team and also what the team does. And I think you saw a really good response from a young man who we know is a pivotal piece of this football team. Sorry, Zach. I was just gonna say, not to complain about refs again. Um, no, go ahead. They're, they, why? They 
why do they never call that late hit flag when Jordan slots? Especially, especially this weekend. That was a horribly late hit. He pushed his head down too at the end of it. And that that's happened like three or four times this season, and they haven't gotten one call. I thought they were about protecting quarterbacks. What happened? The quarterback plays for Florida State and the officiating's in the ACC, man. I just, I, I, it's no even going back and doesn't run the ball because he, he's not protected by the refs. Even like the, the first punt of the game, which was like the 70 yard bomb, <laughs> is Keon Coleman slips on the ground, his knees down, and a defender comes in and hits him, and there's not a whistle. It's like the dude was down and he yeah. tackled him and then celebrated it, and that was totally fine. It's just like that. It's an amateur hour league. I don't want to get caught up on it. FSU's running through the league right now. It should. Uh, hopefully, it finishes things off in style in the next two weeks against Pitt and then Miami. But, like, yeah, it's just – it's a source of frustration. Get us uh, out. Briley mentions the play design on uh, on the screen to, to Trey Benson. Yeah, they, they motion over Kyle Morlock uh, to show, like, a like a tunnel screen on that, the far side of the field, get Wake's defense, which is very aggressive throughout the game with their blitzing, uh, to, to bite on it and you get – Trey Benson in open space. And the the take completion had a really nice play design to to create the window they threw into, which was a great ball in his one throw in the game. That little RPO glance he loves to throw, and he, mm-hmm. he throws it well. He now. rips it. Yeah, just which is cool to see. I think his his na- na- nation leading passer rating probably went down after that twenty yard completion. Um, so sends the breaks. Ricardo says, "Good to see you off the porcelain bench, Brendan." Yeah, this is a rough weekend for me, um, but keep battling through. Uh, uh, one last thing on the offense. We talk about the explosives. They had eight passing plays of 15 or yards, 15 or more yards, and that was for 291 yards of those eight. So when they hit, they 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 hit. So offense, I thought, was really good. Was not elite from an efficiency standpoint, but was elite from an explosive standpoint. I think that's kind of what this this team is right now. I think you can get to the point where it is elite. And I, from efficiency down to down. And like, I thought the run blocking, Chris, you alluded to this. I thought it was as good as maybe we've seen it yeah. this season, especially relative to opponent. It's a good defensive front, not a great one. I'm probably an above average one. Phys- Wake's a physical punch. Jasheen Davis is a good player, um, and he played well Saturday. He was, I thought he was the best player on the field for Wake. Is that a safety? Mustafa. No, Mustafa's a safety. Uh, okay. Davis is the end. He's one that shot the gap when nobody blocked anybody and came downhill and cranked somebody in the backfield. He's also, I believe, the one that sacked JT. Oh, okay. The Jaheim Bell, the Jaheim Bell uh, jet sweep mm-hmm. play. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but like what you did against them was really impressive. Even more impressive though was the defensive performance. That was a uh, that was that was sexy, guys. I don't know how else to describe it. Probably could have been better ways. Bernardo that. Green was a glove. Linebackers were extremely good, especially uh, the starting two, Kalen Deloge and Tatum Bethune. I thought they both played a very good game. Defense line was very physical at the point of attack. Did a good job of moving in the gaps. They're a team that really challenges you with gap integrity. FSU wasn't perfect on the day, but they were pretty damn good at it. Obviously, Wake busted the 51-yarder, and that was a significant play. But other than that, it didn't really feel like Wake, who's not a particularly good offense, that they really had any success. FSU also kept the leading receiver in the country for yards per catch. Or I'm sorry, the ACC in check had no catches on the day. And Jamal, who's also a very talented receiver for them, felt very much kept in check. I thought... Bernardo was phenomenal. I think Cypress thrown at twice didn't allow completion on the day. You know, the only guy who I felt like kind of struggled from a starter standpoint was maybe Shaheen Brown. And yeah. that was more early than the entirety of the game. Um, but yeah, a pretty good day. DJ Lundy allowed probably the worst reception on the day in the sense of making a defensive mistake. Yeah. Um, Shaheen Brown had the one drive where I just looked like a missed run fit. I'm not entirely sure that was on him. I, I think so. Probably should ask Adam Fuller that today during the press conference. Uh, and then, 
seemed to have a miscommunication with AZ on what looked like a like a cover two kind of deal, uh, and, and there was a miscommunication to give up a like a corner route, and then couldn't finish a tackle for a, a touchdown. It was all pretty much in like what four or five plays of each other. Uh, but he's played really well lately, so it's not something you're like particularly worried about. He's had a, a great month uh, leading up to this game. I have a weird Byerson own. Okay. Brought to you by the Turner Group. Are we glad Ryan Fitzgerald missed a kick? Yes, I thought that. Uh, so so you're buying? Yes, I'm buying. Oh, yeah. Bye. That was an interesting uh, Byerson own setup. Zach? <laughs> We're glad that he missed the kick. Uh, yeah. I am. Bye. Yeah. So now I want him to. I wanted him to go perfect on the year. You want it to be perfect. I, I think there's a degree of like, it's not a talking point anymore. There's not the, uh, and I don't believe in this, but there's not the announcer's curse anymore on that. And he just went, what, hard right to left. He was kicking from the right hash, 29-yarder, somewhat short. Shorter, yeah, I, I kind of feel like it was a good thing to just kind of have it happen. I'm not worried about Ryan. Ryan's kicked the ball very well throughout the year. If you start stacking kicks that don't look like what he's done predominant amount of year and look more like that, you know, then yeah, I'll worry, but I think I'd go with buy on that. Okay, sorry, just wanted to. Go <laughs> the, the defense uh, allowed 210 yards, 3.2 yards per play, only 82 passing yards, and even the 128 rushing yards they allowed came at uh, what was it? Three point. Oh my God, where is it? Oh, 2.6 yards of carry. <laughs> only, so, only defense in the country allowing less than 50 percent completion rate to opponents. Uh, they are first nationally in that, obviously, and then first nationally in passing touchdowns allowed, fifth nationally in passer rating allowed. So uh, elite pass defense at this Interesting point. Interesting choice on Wake Forest's part to stick with Griffiths in the second half. The the Santino kid's awful. horrendous. So, like, it's not like it was going to get drastically better, but Mitch didn't look real uh, healthy and happy but to I, be out there. Yeah, I mean, the Santino kid, I feel like, I don't know, like, too much about their quarterback situation. But I feel like he's more athletic. Like, I mean, he they moved him to safety and running back apparently in his mm-hmm. first year um, at at Wake um, before moving him back to quarterback. I actually knew or was familiar with him because he's from South Florida. He was like a seven on quarterback down this way, um, you know, during his high school years, and not an overly impressive passer, but a guy that that I think would have helped them a little bit offensively. I don't. I mean, they probably trust. Uh, Griffiths more as as a true passing threat. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case. Um, but Wake, to run the offense a little bit more too. Uh, which, Wake yeah. didn't really come to win though. I mean, they did kick a field goal from like the half inch line. How come they did that? But then the yeah. next drive, and they, for they it went on the for it on fourth and six from further away. I don't know. I'm sure there's somebody who will use advanced analytics. I've never heard of. Lawson basically, right. like in his press conference, said like admitted defeat like at halftime. Like he was kind of like. Hey, like maybe we can get back in this game, or you know, and then like oh, I mean, they got buzzed on in that second quarter. Yeah, and then at a certain point, he's like, "Man, we were just we were just prepping for uh, for Duke next week." Um, I don't know. I guess I... they're on a short week. Do you guys, Byersonone? Do we dislike Dave Clawson or like? Him? I I dislike him. Uh, I'll how is it a buy that we dislike? Um, because I, I think, think I currently league. dislike pretty much everything about Wake Forest. Uh, you know, except for maybe Steve Forbes, their basketball coach. I don't mind Steve Forbes. Okay, fair enough. I Dave, don't know Dave like in his press conference, like, yeah, I thought we had we had caught up and passed this program. I guess you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I did enjoy him losing his mind right before the half on the uh, <laughs> the penalty situation. He was which right. I mean, he's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah the ACC refs example. suck for both. Like they just they just suck. 
effing bad. Oh my Georgia god. Tech UNC game, Virginia Miami game. None of it's officiated well. It's not an FSU thing. It's an ACC officials thing. It's embarrassing. But FSU is like 110th nationally in penalty uh, penalties per game. So. Um. Well, I mean, Keon Coleman's can't... not allowed to get a guy off him when he's getting mugged to try to Pitch catch the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was ridiculous. We can't talk about the defense without the pass rush and just the, the trenches uh, were yeah. really, really good. Jared Verse was damn good. Yeah, Jared Verse, two sacks. He was dominant. Eight we got to poke him in the eye every game. He had a little stitch under here. I mean, we may have like a little Nelly Band-Aid next week. That's a I mean, I feel like that might be get that reference to, to who Nelly is in the, the Band-Aid? I mean, I know who Nelly is. I don't know about the Band-Aid. Okay. All right. Does that happen without hands to the face? I thought that was illegal. I mean, I don't know how you can poke someone in the face without the hands being up there. Probably like brief. I don't know. Chris was on one in the game thread, by the way. Did you see this, Zach? I saw some of the screenshots afterwards. Did you get out Officiating is horrible. Like, I'm not here for people defending officiating or saying it's Homer to complain about officiating. Officiating in this league is horrendous. It's been horrendous for a really, really long time. It is on full glow this year about how freaking awful it is. And don't say Jordan Travis regressed, okay? Like in the first quarter, just don't do that. A lot of a lot of uh, big picture stuff that happens right away. They're eight and zero. Try and enjoy it. That's the thing. So let's transition. You have okay. You're entering November. You're undefeated. Everything that you want, and then some is like in front of you. Uh, I think this team has exceeded our expectations of what they could be. They they handled. They navigated September remarkably well. They did what they were supposed to do in October. And the reward that you get now is to play really meaningful games in November with two rivalries, uh, rivals, uh, rivalry games uh, in front of you as well. But like, enjoy it. People, I, I honestly, you listen, you live your life the way you want to. But like, you're going to go through the entire season not enjoying an undefeated regular season, or you're going to go through the entire season not enjoying wins. And then once there's a loss, relish it or hate it more. I just, enjoy it because this is a fun team and like we're only two years away from covering an zero and four start we're only three years away from covering a three and six season last time i was in wake forest i was standing in the rain as willie taggart froze ricky aguayo to lose and he was taking away play calling from his million dollar coordinator like shit's come a long stuff's come a long way (laughs) in a really short period of time i don't know why like it's it's so hard for people to, to just I'm just proud of Brennan being the first one to do it in this one and not me. I almost dropped enough bomb earlier going with ACC officiate. I'm, I'm, I have I, a lot of energy stored up. You know, like we're eight games into it. We kind of know what they are. They have moments where they can be a little frustrating. They also have moments where they're incredibly enjoyable to watch. Second quarter, for example, this past weekend. Roll with the punches, people. Just enjoy it. Like they're a good football team. Might they get caught? Yeah, there's moments where they leave the door ajar and at some point somebody might kick the door open. There's only they two or three teams that aren't going to get caught, by the way. Right. <laughs> like, they're through the regular season. Like, that, that's where it is. Okay, so in worst-case scenario, Chris, you like the fifth-best team in the country instead of the second. I'm okay. Or whatever. Like, I, just, I don't get it. I just – I've watched a lot of – so Oklahoma, Washington, Ohio State, Georgia. Um, I'll admit I haven't watched Michigan a whole lot. But Michigan loves watching everybody else. Um, and, like, yeah, there's not really a whole lot of teams that are unbelievably impressive. Like, Ohio State's passing game, despite having an all-world wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., doesn't blow me away. 
Whiskey hung around in that game, even though it was not really a very competitive game. Ohio State, from a game control standpoint, I presume, very much held the game control in that game. Just, yeah, I, I don't know. I like Georgia's defense is phenomenal. They fly to the ball. I mean, they whooped up on UF on Saturday, and that game was not very competitive. Um, but, like, like I, I don't, there's not a insanely unbelievable juggernaut out there. Like, if you line a lot of these teams up on any given Saturday and just play, it's going to be interesting how it's going to play out. All right. Kusna asks, how much of the perceived negativity do you think comes from preseason hype that hasn't come to fruition? What hasn't come to fruition? I think I had them at 7-1 and one after eight games, and they're 8-0, oh, so they've actually exceeded my That's version it. of preseason hype. I did say I think they'd have an elite offense. I don't know that they're quite there. They're not far off. And defensively, I expect them to be – good and very sound and truthfully i think the defense might be better than i thought it would be hell it's definitely better than i thought it was after the bc game statistically if that bc game doesn't happen which it did happen but like there's factors that we've talked about uh, much like factors that i had to deal with this past weekend uh that led them to not playing well on defense like it probably statistically is an elite defense or close to they're probably top 10 to 15 most categories instead of like 15 to 25 or 30 so it is what it is um but we get all this to like, okay, so this is what the team is. Very good in a lot of areas, elite in some of them. These stretches of dominance are there, but you have to still finish what you have on the schedule and take care of business, I think, to feel really good about this season because you have two rivalry games here bunched up in the final month of November. Yeah, Pitt coming up this weekend. What time is it, Chris? 3.30 on ESPN and Pitt's horrendous. And you are a 21, 22-point favorite? I, like I think I saw 23 yesterday, but, you know, I'm a married man with two children. I can't gamble no more. Oh. What, Zach? No, I'm just, I'm just saying that that should go up. I mean – Oh, you think – I mean, there, what happened with Narduzzi this weekend, Zach? You, he, uh, he said in a post-game press conference that basically he did not do a good enough job of replacing the good players he had last year with, um, you know, better players this year. He says – Apparently they're worse. Um, I mean, they got absolutely destroyed by Notre Dame this past weekend. And that quote from the press conference was tweeted by a reporter. And it has a bunch of quote tweets on Twitter um, of Pittsburgh players being like, you know, like question mark, question mark, question mark, like basically saying like, are you talking about us like this? Um, Hasn't Narduzzi done this in the past or something like that? Like this is a, he whooped up on Whipple uh, when he left the program. You know, kind of put some stuff on him. He's also had other instances where, uh, yeah. yeah, it was Addison that was a transfer, yeah. and he's like, you know, that dude's playing on Sundays, I believe now. So, yeah, uh, Narduzzi's a hard hat. The thing that blows me away about Pitt this year, and I watched, uh, I'm trying to think, I watched them play uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Wake. Those are two instances I've watched them play. Um, and I watched a little bit of that Notre Dame shellacking on Saturday too. They're just horrendous defensively. I mean, they're they're god awful on defense, which is mind blowing no, for a Pat Narduzzi club. They just have no like capable personnel. Like, they're very small, and they you lack. Cut them up the middle, which usually yeah. is the opposite. They're usually very good up the middle under Narduzzi. Yeah. It's they, just, lost, they lost like five or six like legitimate NFL players. I know, but it fell off a cliff. Yeah, like, it didn't go from it went from pretty good, you know top-level ACC competitive type last year to one of the worst teams in P5. But I did watch a little bit of that Louisville game this morning. Um, yeah, I want to watch that one because I want to know how the hell they beat Louisville. They hit a lot of deep shots. But, like, the quarterback, uh, I 
the guy who replaced Jerkovic. Uh, or something. Yeah, like that. that sounds right. Uh, he he stood in the pocket, made some big boy throws, but like obviously that was start one for him, correct? Yeah, he hasn't been able to do that in every game since. And you also had like a forced fumble on a drive that Louisville was was driving on. So, uh, but anyways, the the classic trap game, right? That comes up this week, and then you have Miami could be a primetime game. Like Miami has by the skin of its teeth won the last two weeks. Uh, I'm kind of glad they won on Saturday because like at this point they lost against Clemson two weeks ago. I was just rooting for all the bottom to fall out and for that program to go belly up. But like now the game's going to be like a top 25 matchup, hopefully, and like have, have some some substance to it. They have NC state at 8 PM, I believe at NC state, not a basketball school. (laughs) I think, I think Miami wins that. Like, Miami's defense is pretty good, um, and NC State's offense is eh. Good luck figuring out what Miami is, dude. Like, maybe. Yeah, sure, they can blow them out. ACC football's had a tinge of that. I mean, that's true. Yeah, I mean, if Tyler Van Dyke continues to play how he's playing, they're going to get got again. Yeah. Um, He has, I think, seven interceptions in the last three games, which is, like, close to his total in the previous, like, 24 games or something like that that he's played. He, he had such a good start to the season. I don't know if some of the, like their younger pieces on the O line have kind of fallen off. Uh, I'm not entirely sure like what's led to the demise. I know Tyler Van Dyke hasn't been healthy this, or it wasn't like totally healthy this past game, so that could be part of it. But he wasn't good against Georgia Tech either, well documented. So, um, anyways, this isn't a Miami podcast. Then you have an FCS game, and then you have Florida on the road to end things. And like that's what's in front of you. And by the way, Florida has Arkansas this weekend and then they have LSU, Missouri and Florida State. So like there's some potential like quit things happening there or some like rallying moments if they find ways to win those games. So like going to be a really fun interesting interesting month of November. We've been teasing this for weeks now talking about this team teams under Mike Norvell typically play their best football at the end of the year. Do you, you guys finally want to hear the the stats for this before we move on? Let's do it. Ooh, all right. The Turner Group. All right, see, this is Mike Norvell as a head coach. I basically divided it up uh, two different categories, scoring margin by month and then a point per – or excuse me, yards per play margin per month. And so it's August, September as one data set, and then October and then November. Took all of the seasons from Memphis, Florida State, Included 2020. I know it's weird with some of the months and just that not really being a season, but I, I kept it in there. And so here's what we got. So for scoring margin per month uh, throughout his career uh, from 2016 to 2022, in August and September, their scoring margin is plus 9.7 points. In October, his teams are plus 4.8 points. In November, plus 15.5 points. So more than the other two combined. Uh, as far as... Yard per play margin in August, 1.3. In October, 0.7. And then November, 1.4. So, and some of those games, like or some of those like teams like at Memphis were playing UCF or Cincinnati in November. So some like difficult games at the end of the season, not just piling up on like on a on a bad team at the end of the year. So a uh, point being, Mike Norvell teams typically get better as the season goes on. They talk about this a lot as a program, something they take a lot of pride in even like the, the GPS data and tracking they have points to like guys getting faster as the season goes on. Not a guarantee that you're going to go and, and go four and this next month, but you're put yourself in a position to play an ACC championship game with an undefeated regular season. Like that, that's what's on the table, which is and pretty cool. Key for them is getting wide receivers back and healthy, which 
we probably all think they will here. You know, I think Destin was probably pretty close to playing Saturday, for example. Yeah, I thought he was going to play going into the weekend. So uh, offensive line also has to get healthy. Um, left tackles pretty banged up. The all three guys that you lean into there. Robert Scott's not so much banged up as trying to return from being banged up, and they're trying to kind of groove him in and not get him banged up again. But Bless Harris has been banged up. Darius Washington is banged up. So there's a degree of having to having to get those guys right. Okay, let's uh, let's go into a little bit of. Re- Chris had to get going, I guess, which is fine. We're transitioning, anyways. Up. It's just us, Zach. Um, let's get into cr- recruiting because while this is a huge month for the program on the field and a chance to uh, accomplish every goal that's in front of you and beat two rivals in the process, uh, it's also dare I say pivotal month on the recruiting trail. Uh, about a month out from early signing period, so uh, let's get into our recruiting section. Uh, but first. Who would you like to say this is sponsored by? Football coach, college dynasty. Let's go. With a 95% positive rating on Steam, football coach, college dynasty is the best college football management game for PC. If you were, were you know, like Brendan and I, addicted to that NCAA 14 game, this is oh. your game. Um, you can do everything in that game plus more. Be a coach, create game plans, call plays, recruit players, develop your team, and compete for national championships. Um, It features literally anything that you love about modern college football or hate, including conference realignment, school boosters, official visits for recruits, the transfer portal, and even NIL. It's available on Steam for $15 right now. The, the, The one thing I will say, like, let's say you don't like the transfer portal or conference realignment. You can alter the settings of your, you know, specific save with whatever school that you're playing with to where, like, you know, guys can't transfer after a few years or conference realignment only happens once every 10 years or 15 years of your of your dynasty. So, oh, so you can be a fuddy-duddy and control it? Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, it, yeah, it makes it to where, like, for me, like, I have guys can't transfer uh, until they're, I think, sophomores. So, you know, you're only landing guys that are, like, going to help you for a year or two in the transfer portal, which I think is is as close to reality as possible because, you know, not a lot of elite you know, underclassmen transfer. So that's just how I play it. But like I said, um, call, uh, Football Coach College Dynasty is available on Steam for $15 right now. All right, as we get going into this, a buyer Sinone, November is indeed a pivotal month for FSU on the recruiting trail. Bye. Bye. Sponsored by? The Turner Group. All right, Zach, let's hear why the buy? Yeah, I mean, two things to start. One, I think they're going to have their biggest recruiting weekend of the season um, for that Miami game. It's going to be absolutely massive um, by all accounts. The visitor list already looks stacked. Um, I'm going to post our initial list on Nolte247.com later today. And, I mean, we've, like, honestly, like, barely reached out to any recruits um, so far, but we will, and it's already loaded with multiple five-star talents, guys in the 24 class that, that FSU's, you know, still recruiting and a bunch of elite talent in the, you know, 25 and 26 classes. So definitely look forward to that. That's the first big thing to know. And then another decision is locked in for an FSU target in November. I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod, 
but Jamari Howard, yeah, I don't know the if top two four seven defensive back, because we didn't pod late last week. So mm-hmm. yeah, the top two four seven defensive back, Jamari Howard, um, from South Florida at Miami, Miami Norland High School, is making his decision on November 10th, which is the day before the Miami game, that Friday. And he'll be deciding between FSU, UF, Rutgers, Maryland, and Michigan State. An interesting top five, but uh, but all all signs are leaning Florida State here. I mean, if you look at his crystal ball, uh, Steve Wolfong and I have both logged predictions in favor of FSU for Howard. This I'm kid, doing one right now. Show crystal ball. Show ball. Um, this uh, this kid's elite. Um, I mean, he's a raw prospect, but super lengthy, like six foot two. Um, and change, and then you know, a guy that that can move well and has displayed a, a, some really good physicality on tape in his senior year at Miami Norland, which, by the way, is like having their best season in like forever. Um, they beat Miami Central down is in South Florida. Like, it is. Um, is it Luther Campbell? It's not. That's no, uh, a. Okay. That's Edison. Edison, yeah. Okay. Um, Daryl Heidelberg. Yes, yeah. He uh, he's done an excellent job. They they have like a ton of like Power Five kids. I think their entire defensive front is committed to Power Five schools like Pittsburgh. Right. And, Randy loved their linebacker. Yeah, um, Jeremiah Marcelin. He's yeah. committed to Pitt, and then they have two interior de- defensive linemen that are twins that are that are both really uh, good. The, the Lumen boys. Yes. Are they Ruck- Ruckers? Was that it? I think Ty- Ruckers. Ty Cool Hill and Ty Clean. I love yes. those guys. Good kids. Yeah. So, I mean, they just have an elite defense and, and a really potent offense, and they've been able to beat everyone on their schedule so far. And Jamari Howard's a, a big reason for that. So, FSU could get more good news on the recruiting trail. He's a top 100 prospect at 24-7 sports. And, uh, you know, we could be on on the lookout for more decisions coming in, in November and obviously in December, um, which will be the most pivotal month, Brendan, as early signing period. And uh, multiple official visit weekends for Florida State will take place. Any other reasons why you feel it to be pivotal, Chris? Or does Zach touch on uh, all your pivotal What, November? I think it's also pivotal from a 2025 standpoint. I think they're going to lay a great deal of groundwork for what the spring's going to bring with that bunch. They've done a very good job of getting a lot of those guys on campus repeatedly. I think they've kind of figured out some of their board as they're watching uh, their film for those young guys. And, yeah, they're, they're recruiting ahead more so than they ever have at this program more than this really this program has since at least 2016. I think so I'll add one more data point to it. Uh, this is a little bit more minor, I think in the grand scheme of things, but significant if we're going micro and you guys love, or no, I love to go in the weeds. I don't think you love it when I go in the weeds, but I love going in the weeds. Uh, if you are able to handle business this month and run the table, and that includes a win against Miami. And let's say that game is on prime time. Let's say it's Doke at 7.30 p.m. and it is what you would expect that environment to be with what's on the line. If you win that game, who's going to be the most important recruit they're watching? Jermaine Smith. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> so, and let's say, let's say you win that game. All right, and let's just say a couple of weeks later, Ohio State loses to Michigan. Just saying, like, all the things that you need to happen to have a chance to flip him, like, that is on the table. Like, this is closing time. I think you're you're – You've done a really good job, a great job of giving yourself a legitimate chance at this. Um, but now, like this is, these are the final things I think you can do to help yourself, like make it to where as close as a coin flip as you can possibly make it to flip. I don't think there's anyone else, by the way, at this point. I think it's Florida State. 
is the only team in contention to flip Jeremiah Smith. To build on Jeremiah Smith, what's the greatest thing that's happened to FSU since the season kicked off with Keon regards Coleman. to trying to recruit? Yeah, there you go. Coleman. Yeah. yeah, who Jeremiah Smith told me, he did tell me that uh, he thought Jeremiah Smith was the No, he best, didn't. You made that up. Best wide receiver in college you football. Mean Keon I, have the, I have the audio. Um, and, it- yeah, I mean, I'm told that's like one of his, I mean, his favorite players. So um, it's just, yeah, I mean, that – what a massive addition for them in the off season um, to get a guy like that. We, we barely talked about him like in his game against wake. I mean, they were talking on the broadcast the entire time about Mr. Seatbelt, um, the DB and um, seatbelt. A- not AB is a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, Keon was unbelievable. All right. Let's speaking of AB, let's get into buyer Sinone. All right. You ready? Who's it sponsored by the Turner group. Don't Sunone on entering the housing market just because it could be this daunting, stressful process. Uh, if, if you're having, if you've been thinking about it, but having some hesitation, their Turner Group is who we would 100% recommend for you guys to go through as far as realtors are concerned. If you're in the state of Florida, uh, Colin, Amy, Becky! <laughs> it, it is a great team. It's a small team, but they work tremendously hard. They are well-connected. Throughout the entire state, and they can help you pretty much anywhere uh, in Florida. Find uh, find your dream home, help you get out of the house you're in right now. Whatever you want to do, Colin can help you out. So the Turner Group is where we'd recommend. What? What's funny? Just Chris, like I love ruining, that the Becky ruining the experience like organic thing. Dude, yeah, that's kind of what we do on the show. Our, our headphone listeners. I hope nobody um, drove off the road. I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't think it was as bad as some of his other ones. I'll like, be better was, like, later this week. That's 1% lower every day. Five. A lot of season bad. All right, by Orson Own, Coach AB's burner is now public. By. Isn't it literally called Coach AB? <laughs> I don't think we I was at a burner. Pink got him. I love that. Uh, by Orson Own, the goldfish. By. I cracked up when I saw Jaheim holding it right. in the picture. I thought somebody edited it in originally, yeah, and then I went back and watched the video. I'm like, holy we, crap. I think we didn't get Jaheim this week. Is he like freaked out by the goldfish? Because the two pictures we have with him around it, he seems very, very skeptical of the goldfish. Go look Maybe at the goldfish. I think he was at first in the Clemson game, right? When he was like staring at it. Bro, find, let me see if I could find it right now. Like he was legitimately in the locker room, still looked like he didn't know what to do with that thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty awesome that. Like that fish makes every single game, like even the road games. There's no way it's the same Sorry, fish Shane. from the start of the season, right? Apparently it is. I it's his pet. Mm. Think of a buyer Sonone while I get this while I get this pulled up. Buyer Sonone. Brendan Sonone. You guys are awful at this. No, I was trying to let Zach take the reins and run with it. What what's happening? Why? Are... Well, Brennan, you're the one who did this to the show. I just wanted to know it. That's true. All right, is this all right? Here we go. I mean, it's hilarious. It looks almost edited. I love Thomas Schrader almost like not pointing to the rock getting smashed, and then we have Tyler Keltner in the background who is very much enjoying the rock being smashed while standing directly beside a dude holding a goldfish. But, like, he doesn't look thrilled to be holding the goldfish. Also, Bryson, that, that's a hell of a reaction. He's just Bryson. being careful. 
Okay. We could have a whole segment every show breaking down the smashing of the rock pictures. And if we get it sponsored, let's let's do it. Um, Gordo Smash brings smashing the rock. I mean, hey, stop mentioning people in local businesses who aren't sponsoring us. Like you haven't enjoyed a Gordo Smash in your life. <laughs> <laughs> that one for Joe Reedy. <laughs> I love jokes that only three people are going to get. That's so good, Chris. Um, all right. By Orson Own. Brought to you by the Turner Group. Brought to you by the Turner Group. I'm sorry, Colin. This has gone down the, the porcelain uh, bench pretty quickly. Uh, by Orson Own, FSU is a dominant team. It's a talking point on the board. Do- depends how you define dominant. Like, on the scoreboard, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Come on, buddy. Um, I would lean towards a very soft Sinone. Okay. That's inappropriate. Sorry. I, I said it and then it clicked in my head. AB might be right. Maybe there was something in my coffee. Maybe it was spiked. Uh, Byer Sinone, Game Thread Knee is the most entertaining version of Knee. Uh, that's right up there. It's a hard, hard buy. Me. I was just trying to set the table for November. Like we need to uh, be happy when ain't no team. Uh, Byer Sinone over sixty snaps for Jimmy Casey next game. Jesus, oh. <laughs> also known. Too many tight ends in the room. Nobody gets over sixty. Do you know what that's a reference to? No. I screwed up while on the airport trying to hurry up and get a oh, snap count. Did you put Jimmy count Casey I had down Jim Casey's for name instead of Keon Coleman? Oh, Keon Coleman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Casey played two snaps, not 54. Um, all right, last one. Byers Sinone. Dead air. <laughs> Byers Sinone. I was trying to think of the name of it. It's been a long time since we've had to talk about the college football selection show. Um, I was like, playoff? What, what are we calling it? What's it What's it called? It's been a minute. All right, oh, so I can that's save you here. We, we have a busy Monday and Tuesday because Monday you're also getting the seven-year scheduling model for the ACC now that we've incorporated two West Coast schools in SMU. Right. Uh-huh. So that's your Monday evening viewing ACC Network from 6 to 7 p.m. I was told it would be interesting, but the definition of interesting in that term was not further. Or State won't be in on it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that would be phenomenal. Um, Jesus. Right. Ooh, popping bottles. All um, right, so Tuesday evening. College evening. football playoff ranking show because it's not selection show yet okay yeah they're not selecting they're ranking them all right so byerson on the college football ranking show fsu is in the top four i'll buy that um i think it'll be three or four i think probably gonna be four but i could see him being either i'm interested how much we do the the song and dance of who you've played and what they've done matters versus your overall schedule strength like what's going to be the defining concept for this week's of the this week of the ranking show versus next week and so on and so forth because it it does change on a weekly basis with those rankings it feels like i'm interested to see if they uh they punish michigan at all for the sign stealing stuff that's not playing anyone but that seems that seems like something they would do um but no i would i would buy that they're going to be in the top four i think Maybe if Oklahoma didn't lose this past weekend, that they would put Oklahoma ahead of FSU because um, they had a more quality win, I guess. Uh, and Washington's played poorly as well. Yeah, exactly. They've almost lost the past two weeks against some of the worst teams in the 
and their conference. So, yeah, I would buy that the top four. All right, that's that's it for our show. I think that was everything. This was fun. Thank you for 200 people who who joined us just without any uh, rhyme or reason for us to uh, to specify this was happening uh, Monday morning while you should be working. Thank you. We appreciate your your support and your fandom. Um, to our sponsors, thank you as well. Oh, real quick, the battles end. Uh, go out there, support TBE. Uh, players of the game legitimately helps out. Uh, yes, players of the game. But like, thank you to everyone who like it's been crazy on the Knowles twenty four seven message board. The the TBE thread it, feedback from them is like it. They are blown away by how much it's helping. So good job, guys. Uh, kudos. Yeah, players of the game. Uh, I will start offense. Jordan Travis for me. Yeah, Trey Benson as your runner up. Defense. Okay. Oh, look at it. all different. All Defense. Around. I will go with Jared Verse, but I feel like there's options. Ah, Jared Verse is who I was going to go with. I'm not going to just say a name just to say a name. I'm not playing that game. Fentel Cypress. Bernardo Green was also damn good. I think he had six breakups on eight passes thrown his direction. He did allow two completions on the ones he didn't break up, but neither was for significant yardage. How many? How many times did you say glove in the game thread? Dude, good. Gary all Payton right. lives. Gary Payton lives. For Chris Nee, Zach Blostein, I'm Brendan Sedona. has been on the bench. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you later this week. They were banging him up. hero arrives i am ready is there anyone stronger no tougher no funnier i do not make jokes i make warriors knuckles now streaming only on paramount plus yes paramount plus and the national park foundation present a mountain of zen this earth week you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on paramount plus paramount plus official streaming partner of the national park foundation